Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. is Friday, June 25th, 2021. This is Shannon, and tonight I am here with Brooke, Stacy, and Natalia, and we are actually covering a Brooke idea this evening for an episode. We have books set at sea. So we have fantasy, we have some romance, we have a couple thrillers, uh, some historical fiction. I think it will be a very, very good arrangement of books. So we are going to dive into the housekeeping information. Then I will start us off, followed by Brooke, Stacy, and lastly, Natalia. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. So my first book tonight is one that I am not quite finished with, but I am enjoying it so far. This is The Lion's Den. It is the debut novel from Catherine St. John. It came out in mid-2020, I believe. And this is kind of a creepy thriller book. It's about a woman named Belle. And Belle is invited on this really extravagant vacation on a yacht with Summer, who was her childhood friend. And as they have grown up, they've kind of grown apart. Their friendship, while it still exists, has turned kind of toxic. And Belle isn't really sure that she should join Summer on this vacation, but Summer really wants her to. And Belle figures this is a really fancy yacht. They're going to travel like all over, they'll spend some time in the south of France, maybe in Italy. And she doesn't think that she'll ever get a chance to do something like this again. So she decides to go. But when she arrives at the airport where she meets Summer and a bunch of other women who are going on this trip, she starts to realize that there are some things that are really, really off about all of this. Summer's fiance, who owns this super fancy yacht, which by the way is called the Lion's Den, is really controlling. Like he tells people everything they have to do. Like you have to sit where he tells you to sit. Oh. You can't have food if he doesn't want you to. Um, you cannot take pictures that might include him. You cannot post on social media <laughs> about him or about his boat or his business or maybe even like that he exists. I don't know. But he just has all these weird rules. And Belle is at first sort of just like, well, okay, you know, he's very rich and eccentric. Like maybe it's not so bad. But then he takes everyone's passports 
And he starts locking them in their staterooms at night once they're on the yacht. And so all of this is like hugely problematic. She does not know why he's doing this. And when she tries to talk with Summer about it, Summer seems just very uninterested. Um, She doesn't seem to think it's a problem. She just tells Belle like not to be so dramatic. Um, It's a very weird thing. So now, of course, Belle and these other women are trying to figure out why they were invited on this trip when it almost seems like this John guy doesn't want them there and that their presence is sort of an inconvenience to him that he's trying to keep hidden from all of his very creepy business associates. So this is a really fast-paced novel, most of which has so far taken place on the boat in the ocean. You have a few little like port visits, um, like they will dock and end up like having lunch somewhere in Nice. Um, They went to a spin class in some like (laughs) French village. But most of the time we see them, they are at sea. And it's just a really interesting way to kind of craft a thriller because there really is no way out for these people. Like they don't like what he's doing, but like, what are they going to do? They're not going to jump overboard. Like, there's nowhere to go. So they're just stuck in this really crappy situation. I'm really excited to see how this turns out. Um, and I also want to read her second novel, which came out just a couple of months ago. But this one is The Lion's Den by Catherine St. John. And if you are a thriller person, I highly recommend this. I saw you were reading this, so I added it to my TBR list, but I might be bumping it up. Yes, I think it you'll like it. Intriguing. It's so good. Stacy, I don't think you should read it. It does not sound like a Stacy book. No. It's a Natalia book. But yep. not a Stacy book. So my first book for this evening is Fable. Fable number one by Adrienne Young. And our main character's name is Fable. And she is the daughter of a well-known trader in the Narrows. And four years ago, she lost her mother in this freak storm. And her, the next day, her father drops her off on this island and leaves her there. Um. And says that if you... <laughs> If you can get off the island, then come find me and I will give you what you're deserved, like what you deserve. So nice father. Yeah. So I don't know if I mentioned, but she's 14 at this point. And so she works for several for about I think she's 17 when the book starts. So she works for about three years at trying to make money to be able to get off this island and this island, like it, it's like an island of thieves, as Ooh. well as a place where there's not a lot of food. So she's got a really like this is a really rough place to be a teenager and to be a woman. So and to she be alone. works. Yeah, exactly. So she works as a dredger. So she dives, does deep diving for gems and stuff like that. So she's been doing that, and she's making money, and she ends up arranging to get off the island with a young captain named West and his young crew. 
And together they set off to go and find a saint, which is her father. And so as they're doing this, things are going on and she doesn't realize that things have really changed since she last saw Saint. Like his job has gotten more dangerous and his enterprise has gotten more like involved. So she doesn't realize, but things are going to get quite rough for her and West. And that is where I'm going to have to leave you because to say any more, it's going to give it away. But it was such a great book. I loved, I loved like just everything about it. Like you can really tell that she did her research because the way she refers to people about different, um, different things, the way, like different parts of the boat, the way that she um, talks about being at sea, it almost makes you wonder like how much did she actually spend time there? And it was just a really awesome book. I also read the second book in the duology and it was also great. And it just came out in, I want to say April. So this is Fable, Fable number one by Adrian Young. This is on my list of things to read. So the first book that I am going to talk about tonight pushes all my joyful buttons, um, especially because it's an enemies to lovers trope. And I'm a huge fan of this trope. I think it's pretty fantastic. And uh, it's billed as a romantic comedy. And I don't know if I would necessarily classify it that way, but um, I'm talking about Shipped by Angie Hockman. And this book is about Henley. And she does marketing for a cruise line. And she and the social media person in the company, his name is Graham, oh geez, Graham Crawford Collins. Oh. Oh, she hates him. Hates him. She calls him Graham Cracker Collins. She hates him <laughs> because he did something to her when he first started working at this company that really screwed her over. And God, she hates him. <laughs> and Henley and Graham Cracker Collins find out they are up for the same promotion. Uh-oh. Putting, and the person who would get this promotion, obviously, would be the boss of the other. Oh. And so <laughs> what her sleazy boss discovers is that neither Henley nor Graham Cracker Collins, I'll just call him Graham from now on, but I like saying Graham Cracker Collins, <laughs> Neither of them have actually been on a cruise for this company. Oh. And so he sends them on a cruise to the Galapagos Islands and says, whoever brings back the ideas that are going to, you know, make us more money and make us more marketable, will get this promotion. Now, Henley is very serious. She is very business minded. She's taking, she's taking her MBA a couple classes at a time at night while working full time. She's sort of um, very dismissive of her family, particularly her younger sister. She basically is very driven and that's her entire life. She's always making these lists and she's always just everything she can do for this company to move up. And so she ends up on this cruise with Graham and on this cruise, she starts wondering if Graham is actually 
the person that she has decided he is from all of their previous interactions over email and stuff like that. And she starts this book out being honestly a very unpleasant character that I actually didn't like. And I thought she was actually a giant bee. And I wasn't (laughs) sure how I was ever going to be able to relate to her. So as they're going through the islands, they're cruising, they're, you know, learning about all the endangered wildlife and, and, and seeing all these really cool things. And as this is happening, Henley begins to learn a little bit more about herself and to grow and develop as a character all in this beautiful, beautiful setting. And also, it's getting harder and harder for her to hate Graham Cracker Collins. <laughs> so what's going to happen? Who's going to get the promotion? And will the romance that starts on the cruise be able to withstand the realities of coming home to the real world? And this was shipped. And this was shipped by Angie Hockman. And I, I really liked it. It kind of has, I mean, she's her own person. She's her own, has her own style, but this has a similar style to me as like the Unhoneymooners by Christina Lauren. So if you, oh, neat. yeah, if you enjoyed that book, odds are very high. You're going to enjoy this one. It has some I will shades. Be of, it out. Yeah, it's really good. It has some shades of like the hating game, Sally Thorne, quintessential business place, enemies to lovers, best ever. And so this one kind of has those feelings about it, but you can tell that the author really did her research and has done um, some cruising has been to the Galapagos Islands just by the way that she writes about them. Um, they almost become a character in and of themselves. And so I, I just, I really enjoyed this book a lot. I want to clarify that this book came out pretty close to another book with the same title. So this really? is shipped. Yes. So this is shipped by Angie Hockman. There's also shipped by Meredith Tate. Oh, and oh it has I thought there were two of them. It has nothing to do with this book like whatsoever. <laughs> the plot is totally different. But I was very confused at first when I saw them like close together in my library and like, wait, like, is this the same book with like an error? Or <laughs> yeah, there are two. <laughs> like, what am I but missing? There really are two. So my first book, I'm um kind of going to uh what would we call this, Shannon? Young adult, new adult? Young um, adult, probably, I guess. Young adult, yes. This is The Siren by Kiera Kess. I believe it's her only standalone. She's known for her selection books, but I really, really enjoyed this book. So The Siren is about Carlin. And Carlin is a, you guessed it, a siren. Ha <laughs> ha. So Carlin has these rules that she has to abide, which say you must never do anything to expose our secret. This means that in general, you cannot form close bonds with humans. You cannot speak to us, but you can always communicate to the ocean and you are deadly, deadly to humans. So you're essentially a weapon, a very beautiful weapon. And I won't lie, it it can be a lonely existence, but... Once you are done, you get to live. All you have to give for now is blind obedience. So Carlin has been living by these rules for many years and has watched this same speech 
be given hundreds of times to hundreds of different beautiful girls that have entered her sisterhood of sirens. And she's been okay living by these rules because she's patiently waiting for a life that she can call her own. But when a kinley, a human, enters her world, she can't bring herself to live by the rules anymore because the life she's waiting for just doesn't seem as promising as the life she's living right now. So this is The Siren by Kiera Cass. I have to say it's probably, I've read a lot of books about sirens, mermaids, retellings, and I think this is probably my favorite that I have read um, about, like, I guess this kind of creature, or at least that I could live with. <laughs> so I really hope that you like it. <laughs> I really I hope you like it as much as me. I do. Yeah, I really enjoyed the selection. Everything I've read by her, I have, I have liked so much. You know? Okay, so I don't think we could do an episode about books set at sea if we did not talk about the Titanic, right? Like it's tragic, but we we have to talk about it. So this book is actually one that was one of my most anticipated books a couple of months ago. This is Luck of the Titanic by Stacey Lee. And I was so excited. I expected this to have a super long wait list at my library. And somehow I was able to be like the third person to get it. So I was very, very excited about this. So this is a book about twins. They are Valora, called Val, and Jamie Luck. They are Chinese. And they've been living kind of hand to mouth on their father is this inventor, kind of a dreamer. He always comes up with these schemes and none of them, none of them are any good at all. Like they end <laughs> horribly. And then he's just like, oh, wow, that didn't work. Hmm. So now he's dead and their mother is also dead. And the twins have been apart for a couple of years. Val went into service as a lady's companion and Jamie went to the sea and he's been now um, working on different boats for the past two years. And Val is really desperate to reconnect with him. So when the woman that she's working for dies, Val hatches a plan that is going to get her aboard the Titanic. So she has the ticket. Um, that her, her employer bought her a ticket, but when she goes to board, they tell her that she can't because there are too many Chinese people on the Titanic now oh. and she just like, can't come. There can't be one more. There's too many. So she doesn't know what to do at first. And then she realizes, of course, like she will just pretend She'll wear a veil and dress up really fancily and use everything she's learned as a lady's companion to play the part of a British woman. And she figures this is fine as long as no one ever you know, sees her face and realizes um, that she is actually Chinese. So she does sneak aboard the Titanic and she reconnects with her brother. And she has a plan because Val always has a plan. Now, kind of like her father her plans are not always the best however <laughs> they do seem to be made with better intentions than her father had so Jamie and Val were taught from a very young age to do acrobatics and it is Val's dream that the two of them get hired on by a circus 
And if they can do this, she thinks pretty much they'll have it made. But Jamie doesn't want to be an acrobat. He has found a life for himself on the sea and acting, you know, in, in a troupe and just being always moving around from city to city, doing these tricks that you know could be really dangerous. He just doesn't want to do it anymore. And that's really hard for Val to hear. And then because it is the Titanic, we all know what happened and it is terrible, terrible, terrible. But this is, um, in spite of, of how terrible um, certain aspects of it are, this is such a lovely book and a real look at kind of a different piece of the Titanic story. Because apparently it really is true that only a certain number of Chinese people were allowed to board the Titanic. And when the Titanic actually started to sink, um, the Chinese were often prevented from getting into lifeboats. Um, they were not offered the same chances at you know, getting off the ship as people who were white. And so this looks at that situation through Val's eyes. Um, I will say that this does not have a happy ending. I'm not going to tell you why it doesn't, but trust me that it doesn't. And so if a happy ending is something that you need, this is not the book for you. But if you can be okay with a book that ends kind of sadly and still manages to tell a really powerful story, then I highly recommend The Luck of the Titanic by Stacey Lee. I liked her oh. book. The woman, the girl downstairs. Oh, the downstairs girl. Yes. Yeah. I really liked that book. So I'm really looking forward to this one. And Under a Painted Sky is also really excellent. I don't think I've read that one yet. Oh, it's like a wagon train book. It's so excellent. It's interesting to me that, um, you know, when, when I've heard anything about the Titanic, I always hear about like either what they call steerage or like the third class. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I, I've always heard that many did not survive and that they were locked in and stuff like that to keep, but I didn't know then that there was like further division of like race and, and all of that as well. So, I mean, it, it sadly doesn't surprise me that that happened, but it's just, it's interesting that, you know, in all of the things that I've read about the Titanic, that was never highlighted. Well, and part um, of the reason for it was that in America, we had the Chinese Exclusion Act. And so only so many Chinese people could enter the country. And so if a bunch of people came on the Titanic, they weren't going to get in. And so oh. the Titanic said, uh-uh. And they said, you know, there were too many. Um, I didn't think yeah, about that. Just a, Sadly, just a something else thing. I didn't know about. So I... If you want um, something that like dives deep into this, but in a, a way that I think you, you would like a lot, Mm -hmm. um, it's the girl who wrote in silk. Oh, by the Kelly, Kelly Estes. Estes. Yes. Okay. Yep. Okay. I will pick that it's up. It's on my list. Line, and yep. it's so, so excellent. Natalia loves it too, but she's muted. So my next book tonight is Daughter of the Pirate King. Daughter of the Pirate King number one by Trisha Levenseller. And this is actually my first time reading this author. So I was pretty interested in seeing what, like how good she was because a lot of her books have really good ratings. So this book is about 
Aloza. I assume that's how you say her name. It's A-L-O-S-A. And she is, as you can tell, she's the di- she's the daughter of the Pirate King. And her father has asked her to get captured, to pretend that she is being captured by the enemy, um, like the enemy crew. All these fathers have terrible ideas. I know, eh? So so her father, her father tells her that she must do this. So she does. And she gets captured. And it's not a very friendly capture. Um, Some of her crew are not, they don't do well. And she's captured and she doesn't want these, her enemy, this enemy boat um, the captain or whatever to know anything about her like she does they don't want um she's pretending that like she doesn't want them to know that she's got some secrets and she's got some secret powers and stuff like that like she, they don't want she doesn't want them to know but the captain's brother his name is Ryden he he's kind of very observant so he knows there's something going on, but he can't quite figure out what's going on. So the whole reason why her father has asked her to get captured, well, like I'm not you know, demanded that she get captured, um, is so that she can look for a map. Um, he thinks that this enemy crew has a map, or at least part of a map, to a, a treasure like a, a treasure that's been hidden for a really, really long time and nobody knows where it is. So in order for them not to suspect anything like this, she just wants them to think that she's like just this poor woman that knows nothing, this poor girl that knows nothing and that isn't very strong and whatever. So she, she tries to escape every once in a while because she wants to play it all up, right? She doesn't want them to think anything fishy. And she's, but she's not trying very hard. So th- I really enjoyed the characters. Um, I really enjoyed the book itself and like the story on the sea. Like I loved how she talked about like the, like the interactions with the crew and stuff like that. And I just really enjoyed it. There's a there's a follow-up book to it called, I think it's Daughter of the Siren Queen. And Ish. so I'm really looking forward to reading it. So this is Daughter of the Pirate King. Daughter of the Pirate King, number one by Trisha Levenseller. And I feel so weird because I haven't really, and it's going to be the same for the next book I talk about, but I haven't been able to tell people a lot because... <laughs> It's too like it, I'd I'd be spoiling it. And that's like that's how, like that's how well it goes together. I guess it's okay. You're just encouraging <laughs> them to read it. I wonder if exactly. Daughter of the Siren Queen, like, is it about the same woman, or do we yeah. see someone else? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, I was planning to talk about a historical romance with pirates, and you didn't. so. I didn't because all of a sudden, like angels singing from on high, I had this (laughs) moment where I remembered something that I read last year and loved. 
So I reread it just so I could make sure I could talk knowledgeably about it. And the book I'm going to talk about is Rising Storm, The Last Sanctuary Number One by Kyla Stone. And this book was so unexpectedly kick-ass. I can't even tell you. It's everything sort of, Kyla Stone. Is I know. Ass. I know. I don't know if you've read these yet, Natalia. No. Um, they're not audio. They're only on Kindle. Um, Sad. But you can get the, yeah, but you can get the whole box set. Um, if you have Kindle Unlimited, you can get the, the entire bundle. Uh, as, it does. I don't. As a box set. Um, so Rising Storm, The Last Sanctuary Number 1 by Kyla Stone, takes place in a near future U.S., where resources are dying, food is getting harder to come by. So it's a lot of sort of um, fake food that gives you the calories Ew. and nutrients you need, but it's not like real vegetables. Well, of so course, fun. yeah. And there, it's very divided in the U.S. There's the elite and wealthy who are sort of um, kind of taking over the government and sort of making all the rules and saying things like, well, Congress and all that is sort of like obsolete and antiquated. And then we have <laughs> oh, no more the rest, right. And the rest of humanity then living in sort of city slums and not doing well, um, you know, just sort of eking out an existence in a world that is, you know, losing resources and kind of stepping on the backs of people, um, who are not the elite. And into this we have, now we're on this gorgeous luxury cruise ship where all of the rich and powerful go to make themselves look even more rich and even more powerful. And on this ship, we have Amelia Black. Her father owns a pharmaceutical company, biotech company, and he has just released a vaccine for the, rate, the latest flu epidemic. And on World Health Day, all of the masses could line up and wait hours and hours to get the vaccine. But he holds all the cards. He holds all the power. And, you know, what you kind of learn about Declan Black is that Basically, he wants to be the most powerful man in the country. So he is on board this luxury cruise with his daughter, Amelia, his son, Silas, and his wife, whose name is probably Elise, but she was such a waif of a character, just very meek. I don't remember much about her. And they're like living it up, you know, living in luxury, eating all the fresh fruit and avocado and fresh vegetables that the average citizen is unable to obtain because it's too expensive. And then we have Gabriel and his younger brother, Micah, and they are working on this ship for reasons that I will not get into. Gabriel is part of a group that is going to overthrow the elite, sort of in his mind in the way that was done back in the Revolutionary War in the 1700s. And Gabriel and Amelia meet, and there is some spark of attraction. And then things get a little dicey because there's a kidnapping. There is um, then basically 
an entire hostile takeover of this ship that goes so incredibly wrong. And it's also sort of the beginning of an apocalyptic event. But the first book takes place entirely on board this ship um, over the course of just a couple days. And so even though we don't get a ton about like various like islands or various locations, it takes place entirely at sea. And there's suspense and murder and mystery and intrigue like you have never seen. There's also the beginnings of a romance that you wonder, how is that even going to be possible? And (laughs) if all that isn't enough suspense for you, there is something that we learn that we know that when these people come ashore, if they actually make it through this situation alive, they will have to deal with way more than the rich and powerful. They will have to deal with the results of someone trying to play God. This book was so good. Uh-uh. I can't even tell you. It was, you know, it's, it's futuristic enough where you know it's not like 2021, <laughs> but it, <laughs> it feels like it's, it's close enough. It's, it's very near future. So like people still talk about like Guns N' Roses and, you know, like music and things that we would have known from years ago. So this book was really good. I loved it. Um, I love the series enough that I'm actually doing a reread of it now. Um, and Kyla Stone, you know, she writes characters that are typically younger than I enjoy reading, but there's so, this book is so action packed. It's nonstop. It's, there's no downtime for these characters. They don't get a chance to breathe from the first page to the last. There's always something they're running from or running towards or trying to evade all on a floating death palace. So this again, (laughs) (laughs) this again is Rising Storm, The Last Sanctuary, book one by Kyla Stone. And it is so I don't know how I've missed these. I know, I I need this. I miss them. I mean, I know Sarah missed them because they were, um, they're Kindle only. So like they weren't on my radar. So my next book is a triplet. Yes, it is. Three authors instead of one. And three really great authors that we all know. Beatrice Williams, Lauren Willig, and Karen White. Team W. Yes. And this is The Glass Ocean. Now, this book is all the feels, okay? We've got a ship. We've got dual timeline. We've got three women from three different parts of life. Like life and the world and it's just everything so we'll start with 2013 um which is the present time and we've got a, a best-selling author imagine i love when authors write about authors i know i do you too. kind of like it is very you kind cool. of like get what they really yeah. feel about being an author it, it, it like comes out even if they try not to like jude Devereaux in remembrance all the stuff she oh, said people got so mad but like it was great. I, I wish he would write more in first person. <laughs> so Sarah Blake is trying to find a big idea for her next book because her finances are a disaster. And she's a best-selling author, but she has no idea what to write about. Now, Sarah made a promise to her mother, who, had, who I guess is um, plagued with Alzheimer's. And before she forgot herself, she made her promise that she would not open a chest that has gone down 
from uh, the generations. And it ended up being her great grandfather who was on a on the Lusitania, which sank. Um, and the Lusitania was a jo- German U boat in 1915. But what she discovers there could change history. And her desperation leads her to break her promise and open the chest. So when she opens the chest, she ends up taking a journey to England um, where she wants to get the help of John Langford. And he's kind of like a member of the modern day parliament who's been recently disgraced. I didn't even know you could get disgraced in modern day parliament still. But Mr. Langford's family archives might contain the only key to the long ago catastrophe. Mm-mm-mm. So let's go back to April 1915, where we have Southern Belle, Caroline, whose marriage seems to be in trouble. And now when I saw oh, this, I remember, I remember reading this. I'm like, well, how is a marriage in trouble in 1915? I wonder what that looks like. Very easily. But yeah, I guess so. <laughs> So her industrious husband, Gilbert, he has become very remote and preoccupied. And he used to be very attentive with her. But now he's very into his business and something else she can't quite put a finger on. So she's hoping that a trip on the Lusitania to London will bring them closer together. And especially because they have these awesome, lavish first class accommodations. So she wants them to reconnect, but she feels an, a spark for an old friend, Robert Langford. You, you, you uh, see the same last name here at different yeah. time periods, right? And Robert Langford is her old friend who turns out to be on the same ship. Um, so Caroline has been feeling very restless and she's kind of longing for a different existence. So she's determined to stop being a bystander and take charge of her own life. I wonder what that looks like. Hmm. And then now also in 1915, we have Tessa Fairweather who is traveling second class. I know traveling second class on the Lusitania and she's returning home to Devon, England, or at least that's her story. But (laughs) Tessa has never left the United States before. And her English accent couldn't be faker if she tried. She's really Tennessee Schaff, and she's the daughter of a roving con man. And she's got a very cool talent where she can steal and forge just about anything. But she's kind of had enough with uh, living this not so uh, pristine life. And her partner has promised her that if she can pull off this one last heist, she is done with this game and she can go on to live a normal life. And while she desperately wants to believe this, she feels like there's something about this job that kind of mm, isn't what it seems. People are not being very truthful. So this is a book about three women who will work against time to unravel a plot that might change the course of their own lives and history. And oh my God, is this book rich with everything. History, so friendship, good. being a woman, uh, different time periods. It's just, oh, it's it's so amazing. And what I liked about it is that you can't, there are three women who wrote this book and you can't really, um, I don't know if maybe it's easier it's very because seamless. it's three points of view, but it's very seamless. 
very seamless. And I don't actually know if each author um, wrote uh, in the point of view of one woman or not. I haven't like, yes. looked that up, but I think so. But either way, it's just, it flows so well. I hope that these three come up with a different, another book together if they haven't already. So, uh, but I don't think so. Karen White was on the podcast twice um, this last time in April for The Last Night in London. Oh, And yes. we talked about the new Team W book, which should be coming next year. But <gasps> the one that you missed, I think, is All the Ways We Said Goodbye, which came out last year. And it's a novel of the Paris Ritz um, at different points in history. So this is The Glass Ocean by Beatrice Williams, Lauren Willig, and Karen White. I love each of these women individually, but I think I love them most together. I have to pick this back up. So I am really, really excited to talk about my third book tonight because it is um, the subject of a failed book bistro interview. We have had two failed book bistro interviews, and this is one of them. Oh, we had two? Yes. This is Dangerous Women by Hope Adams. And Hope Adams, if you've never read her, um, is is delightful to read, but she is about 50 times more delightful to talk to. And I was so sad when this recording um, was lost in a hard drive crash, and I was unable to get her... Um, to re-record with me, but she is this lovely elderly British woman. And there were just all these like really strange things, like some alarm was going off on her phone and she couldn't figure out how to turn it off. So she just like tossed it in her laundry basket and buried it (laughs) and then closed the door. So it would stop going off. Um, But she was just lovely. And she was telling me all these things about the pandemic in, in London and how, you know, Parliament was being run on Zoom. And she wondered why the U.S., you know, couldn't do something similar and like have Congress on Zoom. Um, But she's just one of those people who's like very wry and witty. And I loved talking to her so much. And I I was really sad that this is an interview that I was unable to bring you. But Dangerous Women is the story of the Raja. And the Raja was a convict ship in 1841 that brought 180 women from England to what we now know is is Australia. And this book was inspired by the creation of something called the Raja Quilt, which is a real thing that exists. And apparently it was on tour several years ago and she was able to see it. This is a quilt made by the convict women aboard the ship. And it's sort of like a living legacy of, of who these people were and their kind of desire to have a different and better life in a new and untamed land. Um, but this is also a historical mystery because on the ship, late one night, a mother, a young mother, is mortally wounded She eventually dies, and this then needs to be investigated. So one of these women who has already been found guilty of committing some crimes, some of these are petty crimes, some not so much, but all of these women have have done something that has put them on the wrong side of the law in the past. And so how 
is anyone supposed to find out who the murderer is when everyone has sort of already been found guilty? Um, So we see this sort of in a couple of ways. Like we see this through the investigators questioning various women. And then we also are just kind of taken back in time to like each individual instance that these people are talking about. So it's a very unique structure to this book. Um, It reminds me a little bit of The Exiles by Christina Baker Klein, which is another book about a convict ship. But this one, yes, it was. But I thought this one was just incredibly well done. Um, I loved the incorporation of like the quilt creation into the story. Um, And it was just... One of those things that you you start reading and you really don't want to put down and every time real life kind of gets in the way you're kind of missed because now like you're stepping out of this world that you've been inhabiting for a while but this is dangerous women by hope adams and this is a book that is another one that people rate um pretty low and i don't understand why it definitely needs more love it's on my TBR list, but now that I know more about what it's about, I'm definitely going to move it up. Yes, it's so good. <laughs> so my last book for tonight is Dark Shores. Dark Shores, book one by Danielle L. Jensen. And this book is about Carrie Ann. Um, Terry Anna, sorry. Um, Tariana is the second, was it second mate? I guess it's called second mate or second hand. She's like the second to the captain. I'm not really sure. I'm not really down with the lingo. I don't really know, but her mom is actually the captain. And, um, it's really neat because there's a lot of women on this ship in the crew and I thought that was really cool and it was actually this similar in another book I read as well um and I just think that's so cool so um they they are called um Marins M-A-A-R I think it's I-N-S and they are like the people of the sea so like they know the secrets of the sea they know how to get from place to place they just think they, they're very much they're in tuned with the sea and then we have um one of her friends like her they come to land um support and one of her friends has been patrolled to this nasty senator guy and her Tariana knows that her friend really doesn't like that she doesn't she can't be with this this man so she ends up telling her a secret that she should not have shared and it's the secret of how there's another there's another land that people have not really ever been to um but the problem with this is she was never just supposed to tell this secret because it's like one that they're keeping kind of hush-hush. And one of the rules of the Marins is that East should never meet West. Um, And so somehow the Senator guy, we don't actually know if it was her friend who told him or how he learned about it, 
but he learns about that there is this place that the the Marins know about that he um, he feels that he wants to conquer. So he ends up calling the um, Legion 37th and their head commander is named Marcus and Marcus has a secret. So the Senator is gonna um, blackmail him and hold his family against him, like his, his brother, his sister, and his mom and dad, um, keep their life against him if he doesn't help the Senator conquer this land. So he is going to capture Terriana and he's going to force Terriana to work with Marcus to go to the West. Um, so Terriana has to tell him how to get there, obviously. And then she has to help him conquer this land. So, oh. yeah. So Terriana and Marcus both have their families that they're trying to look out for because Terriana and her, um, her crew have been captured and her mom is being held as well as the rest of her crew that's still alive. And so since some of them are family, so she feels that she's got to do what the Senator says in order to keep her family safe. And Marcus is kind of like under the same problem. So they need to work together, but at the same time, they need to decide how far are they willing to go. So this is Dark Shores, Dark Shores, book one by Danielle L. Jensen. And I think there are seven books in this series. I just only read book one so far, but I'm definitely, it's one that I think I'm going to continue. So I've talked tonight about kind of a romantic comedy and sort of like an apocalyptic suspense and my final book tonight is such a beautiful wonderful sort of women's fiction slash romance oh i'm excited for this one oh it's float plan by trish doler and this book is about anna and uh trigger warnings for some pretty frank discussion of suicide and also the way that that impacts the people who are still living. So Anna, <laughs> Anna was engaged to Ben. And 10 months ago, Ben committed suicide in their apartment. And oh. Anna, you know, she hasn't been dealing with this very well. Um, she's pretty broken about it. She wonders, you know, why did he leave her? What could she have done for him to stay? Was she not enough to keep him alive? And just, you know, she has some very complex, deep, deep feelings about Ben and, and, and the way that he died. Well, she wakes up on Thanksgiving in a bedroom at her mother's house because Ben's mother kicked her out of his apartment within a week after he died. And so she's just been sort of moving through life, working at a pirate-themed bar in Florida, and sort of like a Hooters, but like with pirates, and <laughs> just sort of like living this life that's very dull, and she's very, you know, she's been having a hard time getting out of bed, 
Well, she wakes up on Thanksgiving to a notification on her phone that Ben had put there years before in her calendar app, reminding her that this was the day they were going to start their sailing trip through the Caribbean. And Anna, after crying a while, decides she's going to run away from her life and she is going to do, she's going to take the sailboat that Ben left to her in his will and she's going to sail with his chart book to all the places that he dreamed of going. That's so neat. And it's like a road trip on the sea. It's like a road trip on the sea. Except for that, Anna, you know, she has only been a sailor as far as she's been with Ben when he sails. But, you know, (laughs) it's more about, yeah. And so she just grabs all this random shit, you know, groceries (laughs) and like like a glittery skirt from her closet. Like she just grabs all this random stuff (laughs) and decides that she's going to start out on this sailing trip all alone. No. Well, as you can possibly imagine, this does not go quite according to her sort of half-baked plan of how this is going to go. (laughs) Um, And by the time she makes it to her first stop, she has come to the realization that if she is going to carry out this trip and fulfill Ben's dream, she is going to need to get some freaking help. Yeah. (laughs) And so she puts up a note um, on a bulletin board on the first island she gets to. And Keen Sullivan reaches out to her through a series of somewhat convoluted events that I will not go into and offers to come on board and help her to navigate safely and to teach her more about how to be a little bit more of an effective sailor. Good plan. So she takes him up on this, but the first thing she knows when she sees him is that he is a very accomplished sailor, but he has a prosthetic leg. And she wonders how that's going to impact him. And, and will that change his ability to assist her on this, on this sailboat? And this is such a gorgeous story about two people both wrestling with some pretty significant life issues, trying to find answers as they sail through um, these Caribbean islands. And, you know, there, there's a spark of attraction there, but, you know, at least for Anna, it feels as though she is going against her love for Ben and betraying that love. And, She's trying to figure out who she is. She's been kind of going through life as this sort of pirate bar waitress for a while. And she just is trying to find her identity without Ben. And Keen is trying to figure out how to demonstrate to the sailboat racing community that he is still just as viable and just as able as as any other person they would take on as their crew. And this book is a lot about, you know, recovering from loss. Um, It's about um, some very ableist um, ideas of what a person with a disability can and cannot do. um, And how does he sort of work within that framework to demonstrate his skills 
Um, and it's about two people who are very lost, who find themselves on this gorgeous, gorgeous sailing trip that becomes so much more than just an homage to Ben and his plans. And this is one of my top reads of 2021. Um, there is definitely, there are definitely romantic elements to this book, um, but it's, it's very low steam. Um, I sort of feel like it, it sort of straddles that line between um, romance and women's fiction because of the very character driven nature of the story. It's told exclusively from Anna's point of view. And it's just, like I said, it's, it's one of the top reads of 2021. Like I'm not necessarily all that interested in taking a sailing trip, like anywhere ever, but reading <laughs> this, like I kind of wanted to go and like trace this route that they do and, and do some of the amazing things that, that Anna and Keen do on their adventure. And this book, like I said, it's gorgeous. It's really intensely emotional. Um, and it could have some triggers for people because like I said, there is some very frank discussion of um, suicide and again, the feelings of those who are still living. This is Float Plan by Trish Stoller. And I think everyone should read this because it is just that lovely. I want to read so it now. Cool. I didn't talk about this. Um, it is available as an audiobook. So my last book of tonight is a thriller because we couldn't talk about books set at sea where people are not thrown overboard and bad things don't happen on a cruise. So this Stacey is doesn't want to take one. Shannon knows, no, right? Because <laughs> she will be the woman in cabin ten. No, by won't. Ruth Ware. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, not me. <laughs> so I'm this book is hat. I don't like the water. <laughs> <laughs> that explains everything. Yes. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so this book is about Low Blacklock, and she writes for a travel magazine, which is really cool. Actually, I've never met somebody that writes for a travel magazine, and I always wondered if they get to travel to the places they write about, like just getting, you know, free vacations that you don't pay for and have, and all you have to do is write <laughs> about the places you go. That sounds like the life. It's like the people we meet on vacation. Right. Yes. Just like the people we meet on vacation. <laughs> and so Lo has just been given the assignment of a lifetime, a week on a luxury cruise with only a handful of cabins and where she can be pampered and do what she wants. And, Oh, it's just great. Like the water is calm. The sky is clear. Um, the people are cool. They're happy. The dinner parties are glamtastic. I mean, it's everything. And, you know, she's traveling on the picturesque North Sea and everything is beautiful and wonderful at first. And especially the cabins are like super plush, which those of you who have been on a cruise know that you have to pay like a thousand dollars extra if you want just a window. But as the week wears on, we get some frigid winds, we get rain, we get gray skies and low witnesses, which you can only describe as a dark and terrifying nightmare. A woman being thrown overboard. Oh God. Done. <laughs> here's the problem now the bigger problem with this woman being thrown overboard is that when she 
I guess does her head count and tells her story and stuff. All the all the passengers are accounted for. Holy crap. So <laughs> the ship just goes on like nothing has happened. And you know, she's just crazy, right? Um, in spite of her desperate attempts to convey that something or someone has gone terribly, terribly wrong. The party goes on. So who is this woman? Why was she thrown overboard? Or is Lo just seeing things? To find out, you must pick up and read the book, The Woman in Cabin 10 by Ruth Ware. It's not my favorite, Ruth Ware. I think my favorite is The Turn of the Key. I really like that one. That one and The Death of Mrs. Westaway. I think I like oh, yeah, that one, that too. one was good, yeah, too. I think that I like, one's really good, yes. too. I like this book. I like this book a lot, actually. All right. So this ends an episode set at sea. I am not at sea as we record this. I'm sitting on a couch <laughs> in an apartment with a sleeping dog and lots of rain I'm pouring on a float outside. in the middle of the ocean. You are not. <laughs> I am, too. It's called a bubble. It's a bubble, all right. I want to thank <laughs> Stacy, Brooke, and Natalia, who lies. For <laughs> parents lie it's sad but true that's, and, that's why stacy and shannon and i we never lie because we are not parents oh maybe that's okay. it your parents <laughs> lied to you <laughs> and as always thanks goes out to christine for all of her fantastic editing Thank you so much to each and every one of you who hangs out with us each week as we talk about fantastic books. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, It kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody.